Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. School of Humans. Okay, let me show you something. Sure. This is Debbie, Abby's grandmother on her dad's side. We're at her home in Little Rock, and she's about to show me something she doesn't show a lot of people. When Ebby disappeared, law enforcement asked Debbie not to talk to the media. The police said, please be quiet. Let us be the spokespeople. I mean, let us handle this. I usually was the fixer in our family. And so normally I would have been the one down with the police. I would have been the one making statements. I would have been the one judging what goes out. And I couldn't do that, so I sat back. Debbie says that for several years, she's been silent. But now, she's convinced that the only way to get justice for Ebby is to make the story as public as possible. I I don't show this to everybody, but this is what I did. That's amazing. Yeah, you're one of the few people that have seen it. Debbie has built her own very detailed murder board with lots of photos of people who were in Ebby's life. Her murder board, like ours, has a big question mark around Saturday night, October 24th. When Tommy took over the case, she went to talk to him. 
When I sat with Tommy that day, of course he took pictures and things. He went, well, I can't tell you much, but you don't know where she was here. I know exactly where she was here. You don't know where she was there. I know exactly where she was there. You can forget him. You can forget him. You can this, you can that. Like Lori and so many other people close to Ebby, Debbie has been investigating Ebby's death for years, collecting information that could potentially get us closer to the truth. And Debbie has connections that could get us closer to understanding the inconsistencies in the security guard stories. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone. No one I talk to seems to know much about the security guard, Guy Hooper. What we do know is that he used to run his own security company called ASSI. He now appears to be retired. And during the time that he worked at Chalmont Park, he was also working security at other places, including a women's health center. We know that the police didn't immediately speak with Guy after Abby disappeared. Because Monty was shocked when he found Guy five months after Ebby went missing. And according to Grandma Debbie, Monty was not the first person to find the security guard. A few months in, it was very, it was very frustrating because, you know, so many mistakes were made in the beginning. And my husband even at one point called and said, have you talked to that guard? Because my husband owns a landscaping company. And one of the neighborhoods, he had their security guard. They'd done that neighborhood for years, big housing addition. And he said something to one of the, the, on the board, and he says, you know, I was over there and I saw her in Chalamont Park. And he said, I ran her off a couple of times. And my husband called during that time and said, I think that if you would do, nothing. Ebby's stepdad, Michael, has also talked to Guy a few times. He used to patrol up in this neighborhood. And I knew he, who he was. I don't know if he knew who I was, but I'd seen him drive through. And he, he's an odd individual. And so I've talked to him. After a while, he, I think he figured out who I was. And so I've talked to him out here when he's patrolling through a couple times. I've seen him up at the park a couple times. Uh, Trevor and I ran into him up there. And, but I can tell you that, I, you know, it's, I just never have been. I don't know if he did anything wrong or not. He may be just a weird guy. Grandma Debbie puts me in touch with an old friend of hers, someone who worked with the Homeowners Association in St. Charles, the neighborhood that is very near Chalamont Park. This source tells me that Guy Hooper was the security guard for that area for several years, until 2018, when the Little Rock Police Department officers began patrolling there. He tells me that Chalamont Park was a safe neighborhood, so the main things that the residents were worried about were things like copper wire theft or people swiping stuff from one of the many construction sites around. So the security guard was really there to deter thieves or to clear kids out of the park who may have been drinking or hooking up. Most of the things that Guy reported were things that were not high priorities for the police, but things that might concern residents of the neighborhood. When we talked to Eric, 
He said he doesn't remember there ever being security at Shalomont Park. All the times that we've been there, I've never seen security, not even like in a truck or nothing. That's why when they were saying the security guards out there, I'm like, what? I've talked to Monty several times about Guy Hooper. But what Monty's telling us that Guy told him and what Guy has told other people, these stories just aren't matching up. First, there's the incident report. Guy said to Monty that Ebby's car was at the park on Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. So he called the police multiple times to report that it had been abandoned there. He said that he checked the car and found the ignition running and Ebby's purse and personal items inside the car. But he said that even though he waited several hours, the police never showed up. Guy said that he was there at the park on Wednesday night and Thursday night, and the car was there. But he said that when he came back on Friday night, which would have been October 30th, the car was gone. If he did call the police multiple times, why isn't he anywhere on the incident report? Guy appeared on an episode about Ebby on a show called Crime Watch Daily. The name has now been changed to True Crime Daily. That True Crime Daily story came out before Ebby's body was found in that drain. That's back when they were investigating every possibility, including the possibility that Ebby could have been kidnapped and sex trafficked. In the interview, Guy clearly said he had seen Ebby in the park on at least three different occasions, and he said she was not alone. In the interview, he said, quote, It was late evening. I advised them all, everybody, to leave the park, which they did. Then, a few days later, I run into her again with another young black gentleman. This time, they were in the backseat of the car. And the third time, she was back with another couple of gentlemen. He said that all three times he saw her there, she was with a black male, medium height, about five foot six to five foot seven, with long dreadlocks. The anchor of the show then showed Guy mugshots of two men who were arrested as part of a sex trafficking ring. And Guy said that two of the people in the pictures looked like the young men he had seen with Ebby. Now, those same men were arrested and they were charged with sex trafficking. But police were able to determine that they were out of state at the time and had nothing to do with Ebby's case. And then there's Guy's dash cam footage. Remember, Monty told us this. He had seen her there before in this vehicle with a with a black male, and he told us that he had he had a dash cam in his car, and he had recorded this. And I said, "Oh, great!" He said, "Well, no, it's not great." He said, "One day I come in to download my uh, video from that night's work, and the computer said." It would not read this device. Sometime in the months after Ebby disappeared, and before Monty got on the case, Guy's computer broke. Well, they threw the computer away in the trash. They took his computer in to where his wife works, to their IT guy. And the guy told him basically that uh, the computer was fried. It was no good. The best thing he could do is get another computer and stuff. When we talked about this incident earlier, we kind of skated by it. But the fact that he threw his computer away really bothered Mike and me. 
If you knew that crucial footage was on there, surely... Like, what else was on the dash cam footage? Did he... Like, at what point did he throw the computer away? I guess Monty was saying that at the time that he, you know, he... The computer was already thrown away, but it's like... Yeah, because otherwise the police could have, even if they, he didn't think there was anything on it, they still mm-hmm. could have taken it and forensically processed it. As our week in Little Rock progressed, I got more and more frustrated. You don't throw data away like that. You don't throw a computer away with stuff that can be used in a murder investigation. Like, even if the, even if you don't think it's, it's usable, surely you give it to law enforcement and go, hey, I've got a computer here that has dash camera footage on it. Can somebody pull it? Yeah, a- Absolutely. You, if, if you were as trying to be as helpful as you say you are, you would have turned over that information right away. Or at least kept it. <laughs> you know, like not, you don't throw, especially, I mean, I, I just don't believe that at all. And even as we were driving over to C's house, right before we talked to his mom, the security guard was still the main thing on my mind. The questions about the security guard that I have right now that just need to be clarified are, What was the exact order of events regarding who reported that car missing? What does the security guard tell people about Ebby and the guys he said he saw her with? What were the exact details of that interaction? I'd like to know that. Also, I would like him to tell us the story about what happened to that data. We'll be right back. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. While we're unraveling all this, I talked to Ebby's stepdad, Michael, again. Remember when I was down in the manhole and you said something about um, ask her if the security guard, ask the security guard if he like ran kids off from down there. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you remember where you heard that? I'd had a conversation. I'm trying to remember if that came directly from Guy or if it came through Monty. Monty Vickers. It'd either be from Guy or Monty Vickers. And, and I hadn't had, to be honest, I didn't raise a bunch of red flags about that early on in the deal of the investigation. This seems very strange to me. There are woods everywhere if kids want to go somewhere for privacy, or they could just hang out in their cars. Why would they crawl down into a dirty, slimy manhole? And also, when we talked to Eric, We specifically asked about this, and he said that no one goes down into that manhole. You said that when y'all were hanging out, I mean, people would, like, hang out and drink and things like that, but you never saw anyone, like, in the manhole doing stuff. No, never. Like, that's not even something that I, like, it was disgusting. It's not something that, you know, people want to do. It strikes me as odd that this entire time, we've been warned about bad people from across town. When more and more, the evidence is pointing to someone who was very familiar with Shalmont Park, who was either from there or who went there regularly. I've been doing a deep dive into crime scene staging, into investigating the crime scene and seeing what it can tell us about the perpetrator of the crime and their motives, since I believe that it played a crucial role in this case. Whoever hid Ebby's body in that pipe had a reason for doing it. If it had been a friend who was there when she accidentally overdosed, I believe that they would have run away. I talked to Mike about this. Usually if somebody overdoses and somebody else overdoses, people just leave. You know, they they run away. You know, unless, unless you've done something to someone where you don't want to get caught. Yeah, and I mean, well, if it was a person she'd been doing drugs with, two things. One, they wouldn't have known where that pipe was in that park and been able to, like, drag her down there like that. And with someone on drugs, I feel like they would have stolen her money and her, the rest of her drugs. Yeah, I agree. There is a massive amount of risk involved in getting rid of a body. To take the time to remove her body from her car and then either open the manhole cover or push her body down into the storm drain. Because either way, the perpetrator would then have to crawl down into the dark and shove her body into the 13-inch wide concrete drain pipe. 
There are two factors to consider when an offender decides to hide a body or stage a crime scene. Familiarity and risk level. Moving the body to the pipe would have to benefit the person who did it. And we need to understand why. I keep thinking about Ebby's car. Again, we don't know what work was done on the car with the police. We've heard that the trunk was left open, that it rained and that evidence was lost, but that's not confirmed. That was 90% of their connection to the perpetrator was, was the car. Yeah. It was the car. You could have pulled hair from the car. You could have pulled prints from the car. You could have at least been able to identify what people, based on prints, had been in the car. Exactly. And especially if she had been, you know, in that car with guys meeting here, that would be crucial. Yeah, even if it was more than one person, you know, you then that's when you start finding out when was the last time you saw her and blah, 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 blah. And the questioning happens and then you, you know, methodically build your list of suspects based off of time. But also, we need a better understanding of why the car was parked in the place it was. We've heard that it was backed into a space in the back of Shalomont Park. We're there with Laurie. And Mike's going to use Gabby's car to recreate the car's position. Ebby's stepdad, Michael, is on the phone. And he explains where the car was, based on what he knows from the neighbor who called the abandoned car into the police. See where the edge of the opening is? Lee, Lee told me it was backed in, that the back right tire was there. He needs to come over a spot. The car was not parked in front of the drainage thing. If you're looking at the drainage opening, it was to the right of it. So he needs to move it over a full parking space. Mike backs the car in. Uh, a little bit closer to it, and it was backed all the way up against the curb. So the car is backed in all the way with the tire close to the curb. There's a spot right in front of the drain. We're in the spot just to the right of that. While we're at the park, we get a few more details about the state of the car. We've heard that the car was kind of a wreck inside, with all of Ebby's belongings strewn out everywhere. Michael tells us something else. When Lee saw the car, there was a towel. And the towel was behind the car. I don't know. I don't know if the towel was on the ground. I think the towel was on the ground right by the wheels, my understanding. Behind the car? No, beside the wheels. On the concrete? On the the asphalt. Okay. Why was this towel outside the car? We need to get more information about how it was positioned. Laurie says that the driver's seat was pushed back. We can't confirm this with the police. And again, we don't know how the car was processed. But if that is true, it points to someone moving the car to that spot. Because Ebby was tiny. Eric told us that she never drove with the seat pushed back. She used to sit with her seat, you feel like super close. She was short, you know? Also, what were the odds of someone in Ebby's impaired condition being able to back perfectly into a parking spot like that? After we backed the car in, Mike and I walked to the entrance of the park. Shalomont Park is small, but once we reach the street, you can barely see the top of Gabby's car. Especially as it's getting dark. It's getting dark. If all you can see 
barely the top of this from from over there you know if i'm if i'm down here doing stuff you, you're not gonna see anything to me also as you just did that i'm thinking like okay the car being backed right there you're very close to the entrance you're also concealed by the car because this is about the same size, like close to the size of her car. Even yep. though you're a big guy, like you're still totally concealed. Yeah. So it's like, per it's just, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I, I almost bet you if you rode with Lori and just, you know, if, if you did a circle around a loop and you just kind of drove, drove by, you probably either would just see the top or you wouldn't even see the top of this car. Yeah. Whoever parked this car was familiar with the area. And they knew this parking spot gave them cover from the street. Mike and I decide to talk to Monty again. This time, we ask him specifically about any information he got from Guy about the position of the car. And what he says next shocks us. What about, um, do you remember what, what he told you about the car, like where it was? It was backed in. As you pull in there, there's a kind of a area there, and the car was sitting right here. If you go in there, it would have been on your right. That's the way God described it to us. As Monty is showing us where the car was parked, I look at Mike, and even though we both keep our expressions neutral, I'm positive that he's thinking the same thing that I am. What? Because Monty is showing us that the car was parked at the front of the parking lot. Now, we've always heard that the car was found in the back of the parking lot. So why would Guy tell Monty that it was parked in the front? Maybe Monty isn't remembering correctly. Mike asks him to draw a map. He's very clear. In this corner. Uh, where's the parking area? This is the parking area right okay, here. Okay, yeah. And then there's the manhole cover. Okay, right there. Right. Right there. Where that car is there? Drain pipes. Uh, it's right here under yeah. this tree. Yeah, right down there. Mm -hmm. Again, he's saying that Ebby's car was in the front part of the lot, in an area where it would have been visible from the street. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because we, we were parked right here, because I was waiting on him when he came in, and I did the interview on the hood of my vehicle right here. So what happened to the car? Did guys see it before Ebby moved it, while she was still there and still alive? And if not... Why was this discrepancy never mentioned before? Again, this is Monty talking about this from memory. We need the original diagram he had from 2016. Monty, do you have, do you remember, I mean, I know in your boxes of stuff, do you know if you still have that diagram? It's uh, all my files. I've kind of cleaned my office out and, and my files upstairs. And so I thought her file was there because I got we need to get our hands on Monty's files to confirm all this. But at this point, I feel like I have enough information and a lot of questions that need answering. It's time to talk to Guy Hooper. I give him a call. And he picks up. We'll be right back. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hi, is this Guy? Guy Hooper just picked up my phone call. Hi, this is Katherine Townsend. Um, I am actually reaching out to you because I've been talking to Laurie Jernigan, and I've been working After I explained to him what we're doing, the first thing that Guy says to me is that he's retired now. I said, I know, but we really want to talk to you. He then tells me he just got out of surgery. But he asks, when would be a good time to talk? Well, I mean, we could we could come to you if that would work for you. And I mean, you tell us. Guy says he can meet on Saturday. We're supposed to head out of Little Rock by then, but I know how important this interview is. This might be our only chance to talk face-to-face. Yeah, that could work for me. I could do it on Saturday. We could meet really pretty much anywhere in Little Rock, West Little Rock. Um, Where are you? He's located in North Little Rock, but he doesn't want to meet at his home. He suggests the IHOP near McCain Mall. We confirm to meet at 2 p.m. on Saturday. All right, thank you. The call with Guy was short, only three minutes long. Yeah, I'm probably just going to come back and do that myself. I got to talk to that guy. Yeah. yeah. It could be totally, I mean, look, I can't, like. No, we should, we should talk to him. 
The next day, I reach back out to Guy to confirm our meeting. I leave a message, and then another one, and he doesn't get back to me. I then reach out to Monty to see if he can get in contact with Guy. No luck. The next day, I call Guy again. Nothing. It's Wednesday, the day before our flights go out. We have a meeting with Monty, and at the end, he shows us a text that he just got from Guy. In that text, Guy says he's planning to cancel the meeting with us. I immediately call him, but he doesn't respond. And ever since then, he has never picked up any of my calls or responded to any of my texts. All this happened in December. And since then, he seems to have completely ghosted this investigation. But then in March, Laurie called me. She told me she had spoken to a producer she knows on the Dr. Phil show. Laurie and Michael have been on Dr. Phil twice, once in 2017, when Ebby was still missing, and once in 2018, after her body was found. Laurie can't make another trip to L.A. right now, so she asked me if I would go to Los Angeles and do the show. I immediately said yes, and I started working with the Dr. Phil producers. I told the producers everything I knew and said that I would do anything to help this investigation. So included in that, of course, with my questions about Guy Hooper, I gave the producers his phone number. So I I gave the producer the security guard's information. They called him, and it was very similar to what happened with us, actually. At first, according to the producer, uh, he was cooperative. It seemed like he was going to help, maybe participate, perhaps give them a statement. But then uh, he just stopped returning their calls, and the last I heard, he had blocked the phone number. So, yeah, I mean, very interesting. Very very interesting. We should have just went by his house that day. We should have just rolled up on him. We should have just rolled up on him. To move this investigation forward, I feel like we have to talk to Guy Hooper. But we're still figuring out the best way to do it. Even if he has absolutely nothing to do with Ebby's disappearance and death, he's provided so much conflicting information to different people, and we just need to get the facts straight. I mean, not calling it in is bad enough if you're the security guard, but to lie, to, to tell people that you have called it in, to tell the neighbor when she keeps bringing it up, oh, yeah, I've called the cops about it, and then turns out you haven't. I mean, there's a reason for that, and we need to figure out what it is. And as we were talking about the security guard, something else came up. There were two other people working for Guy. I talked to Ebby's stepdad, Michael, again. Trevor and I went out there, and we were, we were at the park talking about some stuff, these two guys, these two guys in the little security car came through and they sort of stopped, came up at sort of asking us who we were, what we were doing. And I, I want to say one of the guys name was last name was Brown, but two young black guys that were patrolling together and, and they worked for him. They, they worked for Guy and they were doing patrolling when he, they patrol when he does it. And they seemed to indicate that they they. They acted like they knew who Abby was, but it could be just from it been on the news. They want to say they do or whatever. I don't have any proof, but it's something that I think is critical of that week is did Guy patrol every night that that Saturday night, Sunday night, all the way through to when her car was found on Friday? Was he did he patrol every night? Did he somebody else patrol for him? If they did, who were they? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, 
Did he even patrol that Sunday? No one seems to know anything about these guys. So I go back to Grandma Debbie. She's been doing her own detective work. Her sources tell her the same thing that Michael told me. There were two guys who would regularly take over from Guy Hooper. According to this source, they tended to work the night shifts, which would have been around 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. I go back to my source with the Homeowners Association, who confirms that there were a couple of guys who patrolled for the security guard. Basically, the source said that Guy Hooper had free reign. He could pretty much set his own hours. But the source said that he would often patrol starting at dusk, which is right around the time when Abby hung up with Trevor, right before she disappeared. But incredibly, he says that the Housing Association has no information about these guys. The Homeowners Association dealt with ASSI Security, Guy Hooper's company, directly, so there were no background checks. They don't even know these guys' names. Whoever they are, they could be crucial to getting the answers that we need. We have to find them. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone. Helen Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It's written and hosted by me, Katherine Townsend, and produced by Gabby Watts and Mike Dowd. Our executive producers are Brandon Barr, Elsie Crowley, and Virginia Prescott. Mix and Master is by Ryan Peoples, and our music is by Ben Salee. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Abby Stepik, you can call our tip line at 678-632-6159. School of Humans. School of Humans. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free 